the show that doesn't grab them by the but does occasionally kick them in the ball. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to it. Another fun week of broadcasting of watching the country go to hell in a handbasket. Coming up, we'll talk about George Papadopoulos, Mr. Papadopoulos, Donald Trump, climate change, and a whole lot more. Before we get into any of that, hey, some brief introductions are in line as, well, we're adding affiliates all the time. Hi, I am your host, a critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left a normal insane. My name is Shaggy Jenkins. I can be found at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, on Patreon, just look for us at The Shaggy Jenkins Show, or... Twitter, Facebook, or wherever fine social media is served, just look for Shaggy Live. It's all one simple word. Hey, this guy is not summed up by one simple word, but a plethora of words, so I'm just going to use writer, host of his own show, and, of course, accomplished gentleman all around. Please welcome Midwest correspondent Ron Perti. I am a cornucopia of misanthropy. <laughs> Okay. Hey, Ron, I got a question for you. Do, do you ever watch the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade? Uh, no, but I did see the aftermath when they couldn't deflate Goku. That was interesting. But That's what happens when you put a Super Saiyan in your parade. I'm just saying, he was over 9,000. Um, yes, he was. Over 9,000. Here's the thing. There was a lot of controversy for one little moment in the Macy's Day Parade that I thought we would start talking about because, one, it's always interesting to get on a national show and talk about two girls kissing. But, two, yeah. it's the question that comes up around this incident. So, if you watch the Thanksgiving Parade, you saw this moment where two women had a brief little mwah exchange, okay? Nothing real major, nothing, like controversial you would think but then in the aftermath of it ron people took to the internet and said oh my god you've exposed people to women kissing um at this point are we just running away from reality i think we are i mean you have people who uh who would think who i'm I'm sure there are people out there who think that that is just uh, the most awful thing ever but yet they will go to work on monday and be like did you watch rupaul's drag race Oh, God, right? It's like, I can't believe that they're showing this on TV. By the way, did you see the new Calvin Klein commercial? It's like, um... I, that's the thing is, you know why everybody was saying it that it's promoting a gay agenda and, and things like that? But you know what it's promoting? On a holiday where all these families get together, it's promoting love. And Lord knows we need that right now. That's one of the things that kind of gets to me, too, because in this modern day and age where every industrialized nation around the world has decided to be like, hey, we're just going to let people be people. The United States seems rather backwards. But here's the thing. If Katy Perry can just launch her entire success off of a song called I Kissed a Girl... Isn't it about the time that we admit that America does have a fascination with girls kissing and just to just to let them have it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Uh, I, but that's the thing is I think uh, you have to understand that if you're going to accept girls kissing, you also have to accept guys kissing. 
uh, and trans people kissing and uh, all sorts. You have to accept that people are people. It's like Depeche Mode said, people are people. And that's it. That's people it. People are people. Because the rest of the line makes no sense to the point I'm trying to make. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're going to make a point off Depeche Mode. This is going to be interesting. Um, but here's the thing that really gets me. Okay. If you are a person that is, is seeing all of these posts online about, oh, my God, we were watching these two people make out. We were watching these people do this. We were watching these people do that. May I make a small argument it's rather creepy if you're out with your boyfriend or girlfriend and people are staring at you all the time making out. So who really is the true creep here? I think the real creep is the people who don't just accept folks for how they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of accepting things the way they are, Ron, let's get into one of our first news stories. This one has to do with Mr. Papadopoulos. You you remember him, right? Um, that was the guy that worked for the Clintons? Um, he might have been a low-level gopher or a coffee boy or... Oh, you mean the big brown elephant thing on Sesame Street. Um... Okay, look, let's just be honest. We know who he is. Donald Trump may have forgotten him, but George Papadopoulos was one of those campaign advisors in the, well, early rambunctious days of the Trump campaign that found himself at the heart of a little controversy when he lied to the feds about a meeting with Russians. Well, after weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of fighting, and this is the thing. He basically took some money to set up an appointment between uh, the president's uh, entourage and a foreign government representative. That's kind of in violations of election laws. And then he lied to the feds about it. Ron, how much time did he actually get sentenced to after he pled guilty? I want to go with none. Two weeks. He got none. Yeah, yeah, basically. But this is the thing. Those two weeks in jail to George Papadopoulos have been so intimidating that he has done everything in his power to get out. And uh, as of lately, kind of hitched himself onto another non-related trial that is seeking to, um, how do we say this, delegitimize the Mueller investigation by saying it doesn't have a mandate to proceed. Well, the judge in Papadopoulos's case basically said that case probably isn't going to go anywhere. Let's just be honest. And two has no merits on anything to do with your trial. So I'm sorry, no matter how much begging and pleading you're doing Monday today, Papadopoulos is having to go to jail to serve his time. But it's two weeks, Ron. Yeah, he's not gonna. Uh, I mean, I don't want to call it a cakewalk because obviously two weeks isn't isn't federal time. He's gonna be in a jail cell for two weeks in like some county place, uh, or even in this, you know because of who he is, it might even be uh, city time. Like he might just be sitting in the city jail for two weeks. Who knows? Um, and it's not like he's gonna be out on Huber. He's gonna sit in there. He's gonna keep to himself for two weeks, and that's it. Because I don't know if you've ever been in jail before. And I don't know if you've ever had to go out for Huber. I had a friend who did, and uh, things were not good. He'd go out for work, and when he came back, they would strip search you right there in front of everybody. Hmm. 
Yeah, and and here's the thing. I mean, Papadopoulos is taking pictures of himself around the Greek coast, um, all in the Mediterranean, just like in all of these like banana hammocks and stuff. So he's clearly a guy that doesn't mind showing off. So, you know, I, I'm going to say as far as I'm concerned, he's being a little bit of a wimp about such a light sentence for such an atrocious act. Oh, no, I can't wear designer clothes. I have to wear an orange jumpsuit for two weeks. Yeah, you know that same material in those orange jumpsuits is the same material that goes into a lot of shop mechanic jumpsuits and onesies. And if people can go to work every day in that stuff, you can last two weeks, you big old wuss. Yeah, I, I I know where you were going with that, and you got to remember, sir. I can't believe I'm the one saying this, but you got to watch with the FCC. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget that there's this whole kind of a uh, waging war against public media that the FCC is in, as well as a free and open press. So, yeah, we'll stop it right there. Uh, but yeah, good idea. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to ask you, like, an honest question here. Papadopoulos, going into the weekend, basically says, hey, you know what? I'll give up all my fighting. This was his Trump card before the judge recalled it. But I'll give up all my fighting if James Comey, who has been subpoenaed, will give public versus private testimony about what he knew about the email investigation behind Clinton. What kind of play do you think that was? I'm not exactly sure where these people are coming from anymore. I have no idea what kind of play this was. It's just kind of like, I, what? you what? Yeah, it did seem like it came out of left field. But the thing is, is that Papadopoulos <clears throat> has been, ever since that he had pled guilty and said that he was going to cooperate with prosecutors and the special counsel, he's not been really that cooperative or under that much pressure to cooperate. So this 11th hour fight that he started staging against going to jail for, once again, two weeks for his role in the Russian Trump collusion case. Two weeks. That's all he got. He fought it like this was a life sentence. I mean, I hate to say this, but Takashi6969 is handling things better than George Papadopoulos. This man has some real issues that he needs to address. Well, one of them is he Wait, did. Last name. Yeah, oh. Okay, no, I was going to say one of them is he did agree to this, and it seems so odd that in and I'm going to be very honest here. In what seems like a really extremely cushy settlement for his cooperation he, he seems to act like he has been wronged somehow but from the very onset of this story ron it was george doing all the cooperating and offering yeah i shaggy we live in a world that might not make it we have a president who's brain is the size of a BB. You could put it in a, in a parakeet brain and the damn bird would fly backwards. Oh. I don't know what any of these people are doing anymore. 
No, don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump has already had a very weird weekend. One, with thanking the Saudis for lower oil. Then, two, having a very strange call with the armed services on Thanksgiving Day, where he tried to argue the merits of steam engines over nuclear-powered electromagnets. Not exactly his strongest area of knowledge to go into, and it was made painfully obvious as commander after commander on the phone was trying to very respectfully disagree with how the president was trying to politicize them. But when it comes to Papadopoulos, he distanced himself right on the onset and said, nah, this was a low-level coffee guy, I didn't know him. Then the picture came out of them two at the table together, and... I mean, being that close to Michael Flynn, Jeff Sessions, Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., these are all people that have been heavily implicated in the Russian investigation. Being that close to all of those people and Donald Trump himself, George Papadopoulos' little brush with prison seems to indicate, too, and I'm going to ask you this, Ron, what do you think he offered up for such a cushy settlement? Um, I, I, oh, I don't want to know. He's, oh God. Yeah. Just tell me. Well, no, no, no. That's just it. Right now, not a lot of people know because Mueller is still silent on his findings report. And yeah, but some say that there's a reason that the findings haven't come out yet. And that is because with a Republican controlled house and Senate, there would be a move to stifle public release of what was discovered. So it seems like Mueller is playing this waiting game until the situation is more favorable so that people will actually read the report. And when it comes to what Papadopoulos probably offered up, well, let's just remember that as soon as he started cooperating, we went from hmm, half a dozen indictments to over 20 indictments of U.S. officials and foreign companies in their role in the 2016 election. <sighs> I know you always have this sigh of, God help me, it's going to end now. Um, I really think that we're not going to have to wait two years for the world end of the world. It's just going to happen now. Like, I'm just going to go to wake up and there will be fire and brimstone. And it's not from hell. It's just from looting. And the oh, God. Well, OK, wait, um, let, me, let me give you a little fun side story here. Over the weekend, too, when George uh, George, when President George Washington, Donald J. Trump, as he wants to be known from <laughs> now on. Man, um, the, the founder of the greatest country uh, ever. Uh, th- this is the thing. Donald Trump gave himself some congratulatory tweets over the weekend and even said, thanks, President T. Oh, God. <laughs> I just want to I just want to know from you, Ron, when it comes to Donald Trump and, and, and his uh well, his Twitter account and his attack on the Mueller investigation, does it seem, I don't know, a little weird at this point that we watch Twitter for presidential statements versus actual presidential press conferences? Well, I, here's the thing. though: As much as he is uh, a knob on Twitter, he's worse when he gives an actual press conference. 
So I would almost prefer him limited to uh, to 280 characters as opposed to getting out there and telling reporters they're stupid or they're asking racist questions or they're hitting interns, you know, things like that. Yeah, but getting back to this Mueller thing, though, <clears throat> he has been doing his best to delegitimize and kind of disenfranchise anyone associated with the investigation into his actions. And as such, his appointment of Matt Whitaker was supposed to put some pressure on people like Mueller, who, you know, is kind of feeling the strain of not being in the president's favor right now. But it's supposed to put the pressure on them to back off of Trump's family. But Papadopoulos worked intimately with Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner. You don't get any closer to Trump than you do with those two guys, do you? No, not really. I mean, uh, I think that I wonder now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Sessions get the uh, the boot because Mueller was going to indict Donnie Jr.? Yes. And because Trump doesn't like anybody messing with his family, of course, he went after Sessions and, well, got him out of the way. Problem. Well, I mean, that, that, now, granted, granted, though, I mean, there is that one daughter that he doesn't remember her name. So, I mean, it isn't. I mean, you, you could do whatever you want to Tiffany Trump, and it would probably wouldn't matter. Yeah, no, I, I brought this up last week, and I think it goes without saying again this week. Isn't it weird? We live in a world where party girl extraordinaire Tiffany Trump is the most respectable public figure Trump has in his family. I mean, I mean, she's doing Molly in Ibiza on her Instagram, and you're like, that is a well-rounded young woman compared to her family. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, remember when he was first elected, everybody thought Ivanka was going to be the one that was going to keep him in line and keep him normal. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen. No, because now but she's entertaining her. Yeah, but this is the thing: she goes and does the worst thing absolutely possible that you could ever do to your father okay your father goes out and he makes a big point of telling everybody uh, my kids clean their room my kids clean their room and, and then he starts looking at other parents and say well you're not as good of a parent as me because your kids don't clean their room only to find out later his kids never clean their room either it makes him a little bit of a hypocrite well during the campaign, he went out there and had these chants of lock her up, lock her up over an email scandal that, of course, George Papadopoulos's testimony was related to. But this email scandal invol involving Hillary Clinton. And he said, oh, how could you do that as a public figure? You should know better. The, everybody, everybody with any common sense knows not to do that. And then Ivanka is now in trouble for her emails doing the exact same thing that Hillary's did, using a private email server for official White House business. Um, <clears throat> hypocrisy much, Ron? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love what Colbert did uh, after it popped out. They showed what Fox, how, how Fox was going after Hillary for the emails, and they showed what Fox had to say about Ivanka's emails, and it was just dead silence. <laughs> it's the truth, though. And I mean, there was this story last week, and, and, and I hate to get off track, but you're the perfect guy to bring this up with. There was oh a story last week, a little op-ed piece, and you, you've probably seen it shared by a couple of people, that, in an opinion piece, they wrote about Fox News. 
And what was said about it is, and I'm going to ask your opinion, Ron, Fox News isn't actually a news entity, and it's time people in the United States stop acting like it is. What are your thoughts? A hundred percent. I mean, but then again, that goes, the the same thing goes for something like an MSNBC. Um, People aren't nearly as hard on them because they're uh, on the left. You news is supposed to be central. It's not supposed, you know, or or you know, right down the middle. It's not supposed to uh, give an opinion. It's supposed to report the news. Could you imagine Walter Cronkite saying, after he gave the news, be like, and this is what I think mm-hmm. of, you know, what I, mean? you, you, it, I don't care what you think. I want you to tell me the news, and that's it. Yeah. Your opinion doesn't matter. You're here to inform me, the American public. So I can make my own opinion. Yeah, but those days of journalism have gone. And when it comes to Fox News, they have wholeheartedly, despite the advice of a sexual harasser who's now dead, Roger Ailes, they have wholeheartedly married in to the Trump family, almost literally with some of their hosts uh, uh, dating people within the White House, like, you know, Donald Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilford. Um, But, Ron... When it comes to Fox News and the close, close ties and the absolute way that they will throw the truth over the cliff if their president tells them to, is it safe to say that even a casual observer should be able to tell that this isn't a legitimate news source? Uh, Yeah, anybody with half a brain, which really kind of discounts any Trump supporters. But uh, I mean, I mean, uh, you watch Fox News, you see all these opinion shows like, you know, Judge Pirro and and and, all, you know, Tucker Carlson. You almost forget that Shep Smith is actually out there giving actual news. Uh, I remember when uh, everybody was coming down on the right was coming down on the caravan and he was like, no, that's not what's going on. Yeah. There's no caravan. These are migrants fleeing a conflict that the United States caused. Um, They're not illegal aliens because they're not aliens because they're nowhere near our country. Yeah, he gave a very succinct tearing down of, of the whole situation only to be inundated immediately following with some 22 hours of programming just saying the exact opposite of what he laid out as the truth. Well, now, here's my big question for you is, do you trust Dan Rather? Well, that's just it. There's a reason why I ask, because there's breaking news out of News and Guts, which is his organization. Oh, oh, okay. What is this breaking uh, news? The U.S. Border Patrol closed the border between Tijuana, Mexico, and San Diego, California, as migrants rushed past Mexican police trying to get entry into the U.S., Oh, well, <clears throat> did they also mention what happened in Tijuana that would make people want to flee? Uh, I haven't been able to read the article because we're doing our recording thing, but please fill me in. Okay, well, here's the thing about Trump's rhetoric with this whole migrant caravan. That, once again, was absolutely not a threat, even according to one reporter actual reporter on Fox News, only to be counter-programmed for 22 hours of people saying, they're terrorists! Here's the thing. Because of all this rhetoric, people in Mexico have now caught on to the hype coming out of Donald Trump. Not the Mexican officials, but people that are just 
Mexican citizens that are a lot like Americans, kind of afraid of all of these foreign terrorists. So as soon as our president started saying, oh, there's real foreign terrorists embedded in these groups, people in Tijuana, when the migrant caravan started to arrive, went into bloody riots tossing rocks, trying to harm people, and genuinely trying to say, you guys are terrorists coming to take over Tijuana, and we don't want a part of it. So they tried to drive them out of town in riot after violent riot. So this whole story about them running past officials trying to get into the United States is because, thanks to Donald Trump's rhetoric, it's no longer safe for them in Mexico. How are we going to see, react? See, that's the thing. Well, and we know how he, we're going to react. He's got people at the border who are ready to shoot, and they're not getting paid. But that's something for our little Thanksgiving discussion, isn't it? Yeah, 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 right? Gosh. But the, the, the thing that really bothers you is that he creates these situations. He nurtures a, an atmosphere of violence only to turn around in the aftermath of the stuff that he created— Blame others and say there is evidence of what I was trying to tell you before. There is violence with this migrant caravan, but it's like, yeah, the violence is against Tijuana citizens trying to beat up the migrants because they think they're foreign terrorists because the U.S. president told them. And that's the thing is so many other other elected officials or despots or whatever you want to call them from around the world are now taking cues from Trump and becoming like him, and it's making the world a lot less safer place. Let's not forget that the new president of Brazil, of all places, advocates public executions and says that Brazil is going to be great again, just like places like the Philippines and the United States. Now, why would he mention those two places? Because in Brazil's mind, those are two nations that believe in extrajudicial execution of criminals on the spot. Sad, isn't it? Hey, do pro. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, God. All right. Well, real quick, though, we're going to have to take a break here. But when we get back, I got a question for you. Ron, would you believe me if I told you that a Donald Trump administration came out with a report that contradicts not only their president, but all of his campaign speech and rhetoric? I know, right? Well, find out that report and the shocking evidence that it's telling. Oh, And part of it is specific to where this show is located. We'll have that and more coming up in just a sec. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. This is 60 Second Civics from the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. The preamble to the U.S. Constitution says that one of the Constitution's purposes is to establish justice. But what is meant by justice? Justice refers generally to fairness. 
the meaning of justice has been contested for more than 2,000 years of human history and remains contested today. The concept of justice has long been divided into three types, distributive justice, procedural justice, and corrective justice. Distributive justice refers to the fairness of the distribution of benefits and burdens among persons or groups in society. Benefits may be such things as pay for work or the right to speak or vote. They may include almost anything that can be distributed among a group of people that would be considered useful or desirable, such as praise, awards, opportunities for education, jobs, membership in organizations, or money. Burdens may include obligations, such as homework or chores, working to earn money, paying taxes, serving on juries, or caring for another person. They may include almost anything that can be distributed among a group of people that would be considered undesirable, such as blame or punishment for wrongdoing. Issues and controversies over the fair distribution of benefits and burdens in society are very common and often highly contested, such as debates over health care benefits and taxes. That's all for today's podcast, 60 Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. More news, less alternative facts. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back. Hey, if you missed any part of our show, don't be afraid to, well, follow us online. It's very easy to do. You can go to the website shaggyjenkins.com or, well, on Patreon, look for the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Uh, You can check us out on Stitcher and even listen to us on Spotify, all under that one handy-dandy little name. And, of course, if you've got any sort of social media, be sure to follow us there at Shaggy Live. Oh, my God. Now, getting back into some of these stories. Oh, by the way, i got to bring this guy back in. Our Midwest correspondent. He is a writer. He is a comedian. He has way too many things to mention other than... He's host of the Ron Perti Show. Give it up for that show's namesake from Racine, Wisconsin, Midwest correspondent, Ron Perti. It's snowing shaggy and I'm scared. Oh, God, I, I wouldn't understand. We're we're in Hawaii. Then you can have this snow. Mm, yeah, way one, different. One inch, which, one, one inch and you guys are probably shut down completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about inches, because <clears throat> you're dealing with your little inches problem in Wisconsin. Hawaii might be dealing with our own little couple of inches problem coming up drastically soon. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I bet it's got to do with climate change. Yes, it does. And one of those rare subjects that the president absolutely does not believe in because he thinks it's a conspiracy, a hoax. It's somehow a part of those embedded enemies that are uh, in the White House trying to take him down at every turn and nick uh, corner. But climate change is something that, according to a new report from a Trump administration department, Climate change is something devastatingly real, and the United States has um, very limited time to act to correct it. But, Ron, how is this going to gel with the president that, in the aftermath of the California wildfire, said that he thinks it's all still a hoax? 
<sighs> this man and science, they are not friends whatsoever. Uh, and I think he's going to see this and he's going to say, there had to have been a mistake. Uh, I was at Mar-a-Lago for five days celebrating the birth of the turkey. And uh, this is just wrong. <laughs> the birth of the turkey. I'm, I'm pretty sure he would get Christmas and Thanksgiving next up. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It's like, and then when I celebrate Easter, when they, when they, that, when that turkey died for my sins. Yeah, but well, the, uh, the bunny died for our. The sins. bunny died for the sins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. All religious holiday joking aside, uh, look, this this report is kind of a bit of a Christmas gift for the newly Democratic-controlled House that is going to be seeking to. Well, unroll back some of the environmental protections that Trump and his uh, two-year crazy administration tried to take away. And here's the thing. You said that, you know, you guys are expecting a couple of inches a little bit in uh, Wisconsin. About 10. About 10. Yeah, okay. Minor, minor for Wisconsin, I'm sure. No, uh, no, not really. <clears throat> but when it comes to the state of Hawaii, we actually had our own what's called environmental impact study. It's an EAEIS test. And what this test was looking for is, much like the United States Armed Forces, what kind of conditions would be present, not only in the topography, but in the community and personalities of the individuals occupying Hawaii, should global warming go unchecked? And the results, Ron, are devastating. Because according to the Paris report that came out a couple of weeks ago that says, hey, guys, we've got about a decade to turn the planet around before we're at the carbon tipping point. Well, Hawaii said, um, <clears throat> guys, we've only got about five to six years before we're going to start losing to king tides and surges and even possible tsunamis. Let's not forget, we're in the Pacific Ring of Fire, which uh, does tend to be a little volcanic and shaky from time to time. But thanks to all of these conditions set up by climate change, Hawaii could be expected to take on devastating losses that would make part of our islands uninhabitable. And this could happen in less than 12 years. Ron, <clears throat> how do we get the president to notice this? Um, wow. Um, I, well, here's a good way. Here's a good way because you, he's got something that is by the ocean. Just tell him that something bad's going to happen in Mar-a-Lago. Well, that's just it. Climatologists have kind of said, hey, Mar-a-Lago, have you ever really wanted to be really oceanfront? Like, really oceanfront? You're going to be in about 15 years. I've always wanted to own oceanfront property. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some missiles and I'm going to have them aimed at the fault lines in California and I'm going to buy all that desert land for... Wait, no. Mm. That was the plot to Superman. No, that's not... Okay, okay, but no. I got I to gotta tell you something a little weird about Hawaii. At least the island that I live on. I live on the Isle of Maui. And if you're familiar, there's a couple of us. There's Kauai, Oahu, uh, Niihau, there's Big Island, there's Molokai, and there's the little ones, Koholawe and Molokini, but then there's Maui. Maui is where I live. And if you know anything about Maui's topography, the low-lying 
areas. These areas that are either at sea level or, ironically, on an island below sea level in the basin of the valley. These are the traditional, well, your older families, your Filipinos, your Hawaiians, your Samoans, your, you know, the, 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 the original non-white population of Hawaii, or um, the ones that are below a certain socioeconomic line, because as you go up the hills into the mountainous areas of Maui and Oahu and even Big Island, those houses are more and more gentrified and more and more expensive, otherwise owned by <coughs> white people. So when it comes, Not white people. Right. So this is something that has struck me as a little odd. And, hey, if anybody thinks that I'm being way off here, I welcome your comments at shaggyjenkins at gmail.com. Or you can even, you know, instant message at Shaggy Live and tell me, dude, you're way off. But this is the thing about climate change. You do realize you just invited trolls to troll you. Bring it. Because here's the point. White people can afford to live above sea level. Poor people cannot. And when Donald Trump ignores climate change, it's almost like him saying to the rest of the country, if you are poor and you live by water in traditional family homes or homesteads, yeah, we don't care if the global warming wipes you out because it won't affect our properties. Well, it's the old saying, if it isn't making dollars, it isn't making sense. It's just so weird to me that nobody gets the inherent racism of Donald Trump's money policies and the way he talks about things, even like climate change. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, see, because when it comes to islands like us, Samoa, um, there's also Guam. Um, <laughs> let's not forget all of those islands that are around a little place called the Bikini Atoll that we bombed way back in the day. Yet they still have indigenous people living there. And as such... The water levels in the monsoon seasons have been getting more and more intense. And even here, living here over the past decade, I can tell you that the tides are coming higher and higher every year here on Maui. But when our president denies that these things are a reality, I look at the places affected and I'm thinking, oh, because it's not affecting you crackers, you do not care who suffers climate change. And that's just the way it is. I mean, let's be real honest. That you know, history has proven things. Uh, look at Puerto Rico. Okay, and Puerto Rico is a, a, a territory of the United States. Some people say it might it might as well just be the fifty first state. And look what ha look what he did after uh, Maria and uh, what was the other one? Irene mm -hmm. came through and just wiped them out. You know what did he do? He threw paper towel at them. Yeah. Yeah, like I was watching. I was watching Bar Rescue. Okay, and this is not a plug for John Taffer because I've seen some of the things that have happened with his bar rescues locally, uh, and it's not pretty. But no, I was watching that, and it took that show to go down to, to Puerto Rico and rebuild a community center and a playground and a basketball court and a baseball diamond and a local bar that was at the heart of the center of the community, just to get things going again. Because our own government won't. It, it's like. Okay, especially now, especially with, like with Texas and all these other places that get hit by Harvey and all this other kind of stuff, right? Right. You have uh, – the government is an absentee parent at this point. You have your kids 
who are in trouble, but you're too busy at the bar getting drunk because you only care about yourself. Mm. That is the truth, though. That's how it seems. And look, even when we were having problems with our own hurricanes uh, during the still ongoing hurricane season here out in the Pacific, the big thing that keeps happening amongst everybody and all the grocery stores and all the gas stations whenever we're prepping over here is we tell each other, hey, man, we got to stock up because, you know, Donald Trump won't help us. That's our attitude. And we are a state. Think about it. And I can't believe I'm about to quote Kanye. But, but I mean, it's it's like it's like when remember when he said, "Yeah, George, George Bush don't care about black people." Yeah. Guess what? Donald Trump don't care about any people. No, if you are not white one percenter, you are invisible to him. Yeah. See, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care. You know, Dave Chappelle and his stand up. When he was out to vote and he saw these these hill hillabillies with their mega hats on and he's like, you do realize that he don't care about you. Even though Dave Chappelle is black, he cares about Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle got money. Exactly. That's who he protects. So this is the thing. He protects white people with money no matter what horrible, atrocious things they do. However, jumping to, and I'm hoping that this is going to be our last story of the day, but it's a doozy. Jumping to one person that we haven't heard him actually mention a lot. Let's talk about Hyde Smith. You know her, Cindy Hyde Smith from Mississippi. Ron, sum her up in a, a brief sentence, if you would. Racist. Wow. That is actually the easiest one-word sentence that can be used to describe her. Now, here's the thing. If you've you've been following the story, she has said that she would uh, gladly sit with one of her supporters if he invited her to sit front row at a hanging party. What state is she from again? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P. Yeah, the state that has been known as the highest per capita violator of illegal extrajudicial lynchings. Yeah, you know, hanging people. Mississippi is the highest per capita state of lynchings in all of the United States. And she made a joke. A joke that she says was, you know, just one of those passable things that we should all get over about attending a lynching. Is it any surprise that her Democratic opponent is a black man, Ron? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I, I mean, you have to remember, you, <laughs> there's all sorts of movies out there, folks, about things that have happened negatively towards African-Americans in Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi burning, ghosts of Mississippi. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know? And so th- this woman is just par for the course, I think, when it comes to a, a, a white Republican in Mississippi. Oh, yeah, but it goes even deeper than that, because last week people were starting to make this huge hubbub about her being in a Confederate museum, holding Confederate memorabilia with a a little IG picture that says hashtag history and, and stuff like that. Here's the thing, though. 
after that picture got out, which people honestly were thinking that's the worst. All these people have asked for their donations back, and including some pretty big companies like Alphabet and stuff. You know, Alphabet that owns Google. But they had all asked for their contributions back. But after the picture came out, then <clears throat> a little-known fact came out about Mrs. Cindy Hyde-Smith. This is the thing. Ron, she has talked extensively about her simple community college and college background that led into her public service. She has mentioned at length her middle school and elementary education in the state of Mississippi. But one of those schools that's been surprisingly absent from her conversation has been where she went to high school. Now, what do you think that is? I think she had to do some nefarious activity down there in her high school that was anti-black people. Yeah, because <clears throat> as studied and researched as I am on this show, last week me and my wife had to kind of take a whoa moment where I learned that well past the points of the civil rights movement being a thing in this country and actually being a, an effective thing in this country, Mississippi engaged in something called segregation academies. And it turns out that Cindy Hyde-Smith went for her high school to a segregation academy. What do you think that is, Ron? where you teach people, white people how to be better white people so they're better than the black people. Yeah, and here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm sick to my stomach. This is this is oh. revolting. Oh, oh no, it's going to get even far worse than that because well, let me keep in mind, okay, yeah, keep in mind that this illegitimate school program that was called the Segregations Academy did receive public funding from Mississippi, did receive heavily mm, weighed kind of uh, decision-making within the school boards because they were recognized as being a legitimate arm of the education system. However, they were typically understaffed with well-underqualified instructors, and as such, it led to an epidemic of education deficiency before the segregation academies were broken up. Have I missed anything so far? Uh, just that the segregation academies sound just like nursing homes. Yeah, yeah. And just like a nursing home where they just have to kind of wipe away a lot of poop, segregation academies kind of tried to say that the whole civil rights movement was, in fact, a fecal-laden diaper. And as such, these white people were just going to retreat temporarily into them until everybody got their mind together and make America white again happened. But the funny thing is, despite the overwhelming amount of people that went to these segregation academies, finding the actual alumni these days is a little bit of a tricky wicket because nobody wants to admit they went to these institutions. Why is that, Ron? Well, because they don't want to admit that they're racists, even though little Donnie has said it's okay to be one. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's gone beyond dog whistling to billboarding at this point. The, I, 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 uh... Okay, okay, but here's the thing. <clears throat> 
Remember what I said about segregation academies being substandard educational outlets? Right. If you are a person that went to one of those, would it also behoove you to keep it secret, not just because it is, and once again, cannot stress this enough, incredibly racist and backwards and bigoted and completely stupid, but... Wouldn't it behoove you also to claim that you didn't go to these academies because there's a good chance you actually didn't get a high school equivalent education? Uh, Yeah. I mean, how can you get into college if you don't have a high school diploma? Right. Now, keep in mind, the state of Mississippi made sure that these schools were given equal footing with the public-run school system so that If they got a diploma from there, it was acceptable as a high school diploma. So that's already a big hurdle that you have to be in to get these segregation academies off the ground. Will someone recognize the diploma? And yeah, they were recognized. But the type of people that they put out, not really that smart people, Ron. Can we just flush Mississippi out of the country? Oh, and we were doing so good with ousting Florida, but why Wait, Mississippi? How about a whole area? How about that? Okay, okay, but you know what? We have to we have to lift Atlanta out of Georgia because it's such a big hub now for movie making. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll lift Atlanta out of Georgia, and then we'll just flush all those states out. We won't even like worry have to worry about them becoming their own own country. We'll just flush them, literally flush them, and be done with it. Okay, um, give it 10 years of us not paying attention to climate change, and that'll happen regardless. All right, then. Okay, yeah, it's like, hey, problem solved. Moving on, though. Um, (laughs) This is the thing about Cindy Hyde-Smith. She she has made it a big, big point to kind of low-key this whole segregation academy but there's parts in Mississippi that believe that not only were these places bastions of educational excellence, <laughs> but that they uh. should kind of make a return to segregated school systems in Mississippi. Ron, it is the year 2018. What do we do? Flush them. That's, that's all we can do. That There's no... You can't fix stupid. No, no. Can't. And, that's the, and that's the thing is if you don't want to be known as a stupid person, don't do stupid things or hang around with stupid people. These people are doing stupid things and hanging out with stupid people. Yeah, very true. Now, here's something, too. I come from, well, at the time, what was considered a highly integrated school system, 87 to about 93 percent integration when the years that I was in the North Carolina public school system, we... We did a remarkable job of making sure that our schools were balanced as much as we could before the state went to hell and I had to move away. Thing is, is about that system is that they found in the aftermath that not only were minority communities better exposed to things like literacy, math and vocational training, but children in white affluent communities were more compassionate well-rounded, and also a little bit better educated, not only in the literary, arithmetic, and geography, well, you know, the, the academic way, but also 
in the humanity and society way. So when we started desegregating the, the schools back in the 70s and 80s in a real concerted effort, we saw an improvement in education. Mississippi went the other way for the most part. And now when you look at education standards across the country, is it any wonder that Mississippi tests so low as well as other states that engaged in racist educational practices? I mean, how can it not? I mean, I just can't believe this. This is, I mean, I guess I'm, 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 I'm spoiled living in Wisconsin. Okay. No, I, I know from a cheese standpoint, yes. Well, no, I mean that we, okay, granted things aren't exactly hunky dory for minorities around here either, but we don't have issues where like we have segregation academies up here. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if you saw one, you would just stand there and gawk at it. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I'd want to burn it down. Mm, yeah, yeah. But that's just it. These academies that went up and that people are kind of getting all nostalgic for in the South and thinking about bringing back might be. Um, these places were terrible education uh, establishments. So... If I just rolled out there that integration actually leads to better education, not only Caucasian, but minorities, and, well, you name the race, in an integrated school system, they just end up being better people and smarter for it. Why is it, in the face of all evidence, that people still say that society is wrong to have integration? Why, keep in mind. So why can't people just love each other? Yeah, but this is the 21st century. Shouldn't we have been over that hump like mm, four centuries ago? You'd think. Yeah, yeah, well, you would hope and pray. But here's the thing. She's in a special runoff election against a, a, a black Democrat that is looking like he's very easily could just sleep in on the day that the special election goes off because there's no chance in hell she's going to win. But then again... Mississippi has surprised us before. Ron, do you think we'll see any surprises between now and the special uh, runoff that she's involved in? I honestly don't think that it would matter. Uh, I, 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 you'd think that he could just go to sleep on Election Day. But I have a feeling that we're going to get just the, the same old racist crap uh, out of Mississippi. There, there's no fixing that state. Mm, I hate to say it, but you know how Ron White, the other stand-up comedian, used to say, you can't fix stupid? Oh, yeah, you mean like I just said. Yeah, yeah. I got to quote that often because when it comes to Mississippi, it, not only do they not seem to want to fix stupid or be capable of fixing stupid, they have no concept that the acts that they are participating actually makes them, and this is going by test scores and academic marks, it actually makes them less intelligent than their other United States. Um, what do we do? Do we buy billboards? Do we <laughs> airdrops of pamphlets that are in emojis? I mean, at what point, Ron, do we say somebody needs to save Mississippi? Put them at the bottom of the, uh, or the put them on plates at the Waffle House. So when they're done eating... It says, don't be stupid, don't be racist, order more waffles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ron, if somebody wanted to order you some waffles, where could they find you? 
they can, you can go to www.ron.world. All roads point there, folks. All right. And, well, for me, that's, well, that's showtime. Ron, thanks for joining us this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll probably try to have you back this week because, you know, it's going to be a busy one. Uh, for everybody else, though, well, welcome back to your work week. I hope you have a safe and enjoyable one. And if you did do any fighting on Black Friday, well, you bought that person a present on Monday. Till next time, love you, mean it. Get in, bye. <laughs>